You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up, is the Electoral College the villain so many Americans think it is? But first to our favorite villain, Ken Rudin. <laughs> Not really, Ken. Hi. How are you? That must have been one of your famous <laughs> April Fool's jokes. <laughs> I hear you're in Florida today. I'm visiting mom. Oh, That's you, true. See, you are not a villain to your mother. That's, That's nice. That's true. Hey, at least one person. Right. Ken, uh, I'm curious about whether you have a view on what's happening with this Electoral College thing, given the fact that some states are passing legislation and candidates are calling for it to be done away with. What What do you think is happening here? Well, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, not, I don't know if it's funny, but when Birch Bayh died about two weeks ago, I don't know if we spoke about this on your show, but when he died two weeks ago, I was going through the archives because Birch Bayh was a classic liberal senator from Indiana, three, served three terms until he lost to Dan Quayle in 1980. But I have a speech from 1968 when Birch Bayh is talking about the evils of the Electoral College. He said, <laughs> he said we, we could very well, and this was during the Nixon-Humphrey Wallace campaign, wow. and he said we could very well have a presidential election where the person who gets the most votes, the majority of the votes, will not be president because of the Electoral College. So so this is not a new thing. Of course, it gained impetus after uh, George W. Bush won without the most votes in 2000 over Al Gore. And certainly Donald Trump received 3 million votes fewer than Hillary Clinton in 2016, so it's been around. But basically, they're just feeling that, I mean, once upon a time, the Democrats thought that the uh, Electoral College was in their favor, the Democrats' favor, remember, when John Kennedy beat Richard Nixon by only about 100,000 votes in 1960, I mean, the, the popular vote was close, but the Democrats got so many more electoral vote, college votes, so that wasn't an issue back then. But uh. then, you know, the fact is, to the last two Republican presidents, one with less than a majority of the vote, and people say, OK, it's time to scrap the Electoral College. Somehow you managed to get two mentions of Nixon in in the first three minutes of our conversation. Man. <laughs> wait, 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 I have to take a drink. That Man, I know. That's, that is the deal. Hey, I also want to talk to you about President Trump's threats to close the southern border, which would seem, I, I would assume he's getting huge pressure from advisors in the administration not to keep talking about this because it would be almost impossible, wouldn't it, Ken? Well, it, well, you know, it's funny. I was well listening to uh, to uh, Kellyanne Conway, who, of course, attacked Joe Biden for his uh, behavior towards women, <laughs> which he works with Donald uh, Trump, which is always yeah. interesting. But having yeah. said that, I mean, sure, it's impossible. And so many things he says is impossible. I'll just do it. And he's talking about, I mean, he's already called for cutting off aid to the, the three countries that are basically, he says, responsible for the caravans. But just to, just to say, in a fit of peak and perhaps in a, in a, in a, in a reaching out to his base, we keep talking about that, but this is really a lot of what Donald Trump is all about. I mean, that's what he said. Well, we'll just shut off the border. You just, I mean, this is a huge border, and we're talking about billions of dollars and more troops, which is what he wants to do anyway with his emergency order. But I don't know how you do it. But again, look, we, we have to keep them from coming into our country. That's been his message since he came down the escalator at Trump Tower in 2016, 2015, when he announced his candidacy. So this has been part of his M.O. from the beginning. And 
And whether it's realistic or from planet Earth, it doesn't seem to matter. What seems to matter is that he says things that, you know, these people like, you know, the, the, the Kellyanne Conways and the and, you know, the Mike, uh, the, the Mick Mulvaney's and all his supporters like. So he keeps saying it. Yeah, he's cutting. Just, just to clarify here, he's cutting. He wants to cut aid to Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador. Right. Three of the countries in Central America where people are escaping and yeah. coming north to seek asylum. They're being brutalized in their own country. That's why they're leaving. They're not leaving because they want to, you know, they want to infiltrate the country, the United States. They're leaving because of suppression and, and, and just horrific conditions. So whatever, whatever you think about the, this, this invasion on our southern border, these countries, are there, they're fleeing them for obvious reasons, economic and for safety reasons. So that's, of course, Trump thinks these countries are behind this caravan. They're encouraging the caravan. And that, again, fits in with his with his strategy as well. Ken Rudin is with us, the political junkie as he is on Monday mornings. If you have questions for him about some of the things President Trump has been tweeting and saying over the weekend or questions about Democrats' threats to subpoena the Mueller report or questions about 2020 candidates, call in 651-227-6800-242-2828. You can also tweet in a question at Kerry, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R. I want to ask you about this subpoena, uh, Ken. Now, William Barr says he's going to go through the report bit by bit, redact what he thinks needs to be redacted. Nancy Pelosi was like, we don't need your redaction and your view of the report just give it to congress what happens next do you think well i mean i I think exactly that 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 Barr will go through the report i thought he did go through the report that's why he had a four-page summary i mean i think he read three hundred thousand pages no it's actually 456 pages something like that but when he released his report Nobody seemed to be satisfied. Well, maybe Republicans felt they were satisfied, but Democrats said, look, this is the Mueller report, not the Barr report. When, when you have the attorney general uh, uh, um, uh, appointed by Donald Trump, uh, William Barr, who announced before he was even picked as, uh, as attorney general that he didn't feel that the president could be indicted and he feels that the uh, checks on his presidential power uh, were perhaps wrong, if not unconstitutional. So there were Democrats who felt looked at Barr from the beginning and said, this is not, this is not, you know, uh, this is not an open government. This is not an open policy. We need to find out for, himself, for ourselves. Except the same Democrats in, in previously said, look, Barr has a, whatever you think of Barr's relationship with Donald Trump, he is a, has a record for integrity. And so maybe he will do the right thing. But so he says, he, Barr says, he will go through the report. Uh, look, there is some grand jury testimony that should not be released to the public. There may be some national security secrets uh, and information that should not be released to the public. So as the attorney general, he has the probably the duty to redact that and make sure that it doesn't see the light of day. But again, there are a lot of people who are looking at this as a cover-up, that they feel that, that you know, like for President Trump to come out and say, I am completely exonerated, totally exonerated, when that's not what, what my understanding what Mueller said, certainly not about uh, obstruction of justice, even though maybe Bill Barr gave him the green light on that, or at least the okay on that. So there are a lot of people who are demanding more, and even no matter what Barr does release, 
I still, first of all, the, the House Judiciary Committee will still continue its investigations, plural, mm-hmm. and the Southern District of New York will still continue its investigations. But there are those who feel that unless you have a complete, unredacted Mueller report, nothing will be satisfactory. Uh, let me grab a call for you here, Ken. Jack in Eden Prairie. Hi, Jack. What are you curious about? Yeah, my question is, I know several refugees that have uh, over time made their way to the U.S. Mm-hmm. However, they have had uh, lengthy uh, stays in other countries, which basically whatever country they can flee to from their afflicted country is where they would naturally seek asylum. And I'm just wondering... If that country is Mexico, why are they seeking asylum in Mexico? Why are they just passing through? Okay. If I understood Jack's question, is why don't these people who are fleeing their countries uh, take uh, refuge or uh, seek uh, citizenship or asylum in Mexico? Yes. Yep, you've got it. Well, Mexico is being bombarded by these people, by the the thousands of people who are coming in. I mean, I mean. I think there's just a question of do we is this logistically and financially and practically possible for us to take in all the the um, the, the people who are leaving you know the, the the Guatemalas and the El Salvadors and the Honduras but that's the same question that Trump is asking as well does the United States have the ability to take in thousands of people who just or you know whatever you think about the reasons for them leave, fleeing their countries. Do we just have an open border where everybody just comes in? Now, of course, that's not the policy, and that's not what's happening. But I think Mexico can handle it, and of course, Trump says the United States can't handle it either. And Mexico has its own issues with violence, and oh, absolutely, and exactly. an economy right. I mean, that is, you know, um, still being rebuilt, I guess, or struggling in many places. Uh, call here from Ron in Stillwater. Hey, Ron, you want to ask about the Mueller report? What do you want to know? Well, I write a lot of reports, and when I write a report, I have a conclusion, executive summary, and and uh, just a summary and a yeah. larger summary. Yeah. So why couldn't Barr release the executive summary? Because uh, Mueller, when he wrote the report, he knows all the rules of DLG rules about redaction, so he wouldn't put any redacted material in the executive summary. So your question is, why didn't he just release an executive summary? And then start not putting up his own report, right? Yeah, yeah. Ken, go ahead. Well, no, that's I mean, that's a very fair question. I mean, see, the thing is, we all said, you know, at least somebody with the integrity and Republicans have said this as well. At least we have somebody with the complete integrity as Robert Mueller, who's doing this report, assembling all these facts and putting together a report. We'll see what he has to say. And it just feels a lot of people that Barr just stepped in and said, OK, well, I'll take over from here. Thank you very much. With the acquiescence, apparently, of Rod Rosenstein, who seems to agree with what Barr had to say. And look, it's not look in, in, in these Tense times in these uh, these very troubled times when when nobody believes the other side is saying, I think had that been released, even the executive summary been released, there would have been much more understanding and agreement and and uh, satisfaction with what Mueller was doing than what we're getting now. So it's again, you know, nobody seems to be satisfied, and and as people say, well, maybe we maybe it won't be resolved until November of 2020. Uh, listener on Twitter here, Ken, wants to know who would be on the Buttigieg ticket if he were to go the distance. 
there's a lot there's a lot of interest in him in Pete Buttigieg. Am I pronouncing well, it right? Is, I think I am. This, yeah. This is remarkable. I mean, I'm look, look, look. Let's be remember. This is not an April Fool's joke, even though it's April first, 2019. We still have ten months to go before the Iowa caucuses, but more importantly, we only have a couple of months to go before the first debates. Already, and I'm saying the words that I promised I wouldn't say, but I'm going to mention the. <laughs> P word, meaning polling, but he's already third in Iowa. He's fifth nationally. This is the mayor of South Bend. <laughs> I know. And this I just, is so great and so mind-blowing. It's But it is, because I looked it up right before your show because I wasn't sure. There's never been a person who went from mayor of South Bend, Indiana, to the presidency. I looked that up. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So so he. But meanwhile, he in the first quarter he raised seven million dollars. He has sixty five thousand donors, and of course that is one of the criteria to get into the June debates. You either have to have uh, you know sixty five thousand donors, or you have to have at least one percent in the polls. And Buttigieg uh, has both. It is remarkable. You know something? He hasn't even officially announced his candidacy. Oh, yet. no, I he's didn't still, realize that. He's still in exploratory phase. And some people say, well, maybe he's running for governor of Indiana next year. Look, who knows? But right now, and you know how we love the flavor of the month. It's the, the underdog story, Ken. Yes, That's that what it is. True. We political reporters love the story of the political underdog. And he's it. Yeah. He absolutely is, and he's a, and every time I've seen him, whether it's a serious talk show or on or on Colbert, he's charming and he's thoughtful and he's likable and he's and he's and he knows his policies, and he's he's wooing not only the, you know, more and more people but the media as well. Look, we'll see what happens again. We do love the flavor of the month. It was better or rock for the longest time. Um, and we'll see what Pete Buttigieg judge has to say. I mean, the flavor of the month maybe in two thousand in nineteen eighty seven may have been Joe Biden, but ah, but he's also yes. in all the headlines today, and not not all of them are good. I know. We'll see what happens with that, and we'll talk about it next week, uh, next Monday. Ken, have enjoy Florida with your mother, and I'll, <laughs> I'll talk you so with you much, soon. Terry. You just heard a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to the discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet us at CarrieMPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all our shows by subscribing to this podcast. You can send us your questions or comments by emailing talk at npr.org.